Like, let's talk about Boston because I got so much to unpack there. Like, I had Garnett on a uh, conference call about a month ago for a story I did on this time with the Timberwolves. And I started it by thanking him. And I told him that he changed the direction of my career. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. It's a special episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast. I am Josue Pavone, alongside Cedric Maxwell, of course. And I say special because we got a special guest. We got ESPN's Anscapes, uh, Mark Spears joining us. He's a former Celtics beat writer. And I mean during the the, the good old days, right, Mark? During the big three era, uh, during a special time in Boston with, where times were changing. Max, you were there. I'm sure we'll take a trip down memory lane. Hey, don't, and don't course, make me too old because there was an, a different big three. I you got to tell Celtics fans what big three you talking about. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's two, that's two other generations, right? That's right. The, the, the KG era, uh, Max, of course, can tell you all about the, the, the eighties. Man, we're going to have, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun for sure. We're going to talk about this year's Celtics, uh, the, the, the Warriors, uh, as both teams seem to be struggling after the big showdown that happened last weekend. But, uh, but, but Mark, let's, uh, let's start with the Warriors. Let's start out West. Uh, you know, it's the, the, they put together man, probably the, the Warriors, man. Let's talk about Boston. We'll keep five minutes. We'll keep five <laughs> minutes of the Warriors. Talk about no Warriors, man. Oh, well, I mean, so what happened? Well, because of the, after they beat the Celtics, they, had, they haven't won a game since. Is that what it is? No, I, I, I cover the whole league, man. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I just live here. Let's, let's talk about my time in Boston, man. I man, live okay, in Boston. Well, let, okay, let's, right, start, let's, let's start out with Boston because the thing we talked about a little bit, uh, you know, beforehand to me was so interesting. And, you know, yeah, how Joe, you, Joe, we were talking, let's just talk about Boston. Don't worry. I don't, I, I just, I don't be around the Warriors that much. Uh, well, the reason I talk about the reason I bring up the Warriors is because, uh, you know, after what happened last weekend, it seemed like things were going to shift. Uh, you know, the, the, the news came out about Steph Curry, but yeah, we can keep things Boston. I mean, Boston right now coming off a, a, a loss against the Magic that some people saw coming, but just the way it played out, it, it didn't sit well with, with, with a lot of these, uh, reporters and, and, and of course the Celtics fans. Max, how, how do you call it? What's going on with the Celtics right now? Mm, I think it's, um, I think it's just readjusting. I think a lot of people had the Celtics to me as a lot higher. Uh, and I think that there's not a team in the NBA is going to ever shoot the way that they shot throughout the season. I mean, his team was shooting the lights out and guys like Sam Houser, their bench was exceptional. Uh, but you look at the last couple of games, they've depended more on Tatum. They've depended more on Brown. Uh, you know, Mark, you, you've been around and, and you said you were around for the, 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 the different era, but. Man, your your relationship with uh, Kevin Garnett when you first coming here in two thousand seven, that was really interesting, man. You you were telling me some things, and I was like, you were ready to get out of Denver because you wanted a kind of a, a, a upward change. Yeah. Well, real quick, Joe. For, in terms of the Celtics, I think they'll be fine. It it cycles Warriors. I'm getting nervous about them because of Curry's injury and just because they've been up and down. But uh, I'm, I'm much more worried about the Warriors than I am the Celtics. Uh, but okay. to answer your question, um, said like, 
when we go back, and that's why I was messing with Joe, like, let's talk about Boston because I got so much to unpack there. Like, I had Garnett on a uh, conference call about a month ago for a story I did on this time with the Timberwolves, and I started it by thanking him. And I told him that he changed the direction of my career. And what I mean by that is I, I covered the uh, the Denver Nuggets for the Denver Post from 2000, 1999 to 2007. And toward the end, my career got stagnant. And I tried to get a columnist job at the Denver Post, didn't get it. And I was trying to find a different avenue to to help my career just at, go upward. And so Garnett gets traded to the Celtics, and obviously Ray just got there to play with Paul um, at a time when I was given an interview to, to cover the Celtics. And the finalists were me and the late, great Sekou Smith. Wow. He, we were wow. finalists for the jobs. He was in Indianapolis. I, I was at the Denver Post. I ended up getting a job. Sekou went to the Atlanta Constitution and Journal where he ended up covering the Hawks and ultimately ended up going to NBA TV. It worked out for both of us. But, um, you know, it was a great change for me because I went from covering a Nuggets team with Carmelo and Iverson and Chauncey, that was just saying, to like a team that could win a championship. And I immediately got to go to Italy, uh, go to Rome with the team, went to training camp. Remember we went out there, said, um, went to London. Oh, covered man. a game in London and I just knew, I just, I knew when I saw Ray, Paul and KG took that picture at the Coliseum that this team was going to be something like this was going to be something like these guys were like gladiators taking a picture at the Coliseum. Like, wow. It was so to cover that team, I was telling somebody other today that that, they they asked me on TV last week when the Warriors and the Celtics played uh if the Celtics team now was better than the one in 2008. And I said, don't disrespect them dudes in 2008, man. <laughs> and that's what I'll do respect to the team now. I said, that team, 2008, was one of the most underrated teams in NBA history. Yeah. And if Garnett doesn't get hurt the next season, and they were like 23 and four at the time he got hurt in Salt Lake, if he didn't hurt his knee, that team would have three-peated. Mm. No question. And that yeah, they, they, were just, when, they were just well, too good. Right. When people ask, when, when's the, have you ever seen a, a, a Celtics team get out to a better start? That's the team that I point to. I said, that yeah. 09 team, even though obviously it didn't end the way people ex- expected, yeah. those first few months, they were just Crushing no, they team. were they were sensational. There was no championship hangover whatsoever. Yeah. So, I think they, they they to me they seemed like a machine. Yeah. And I, I watched them play and every time passes were so precise, defense was so good. And you right. said underrated. When you think about having guys like Tony Allen on the bench and Leon yeah. Poe and Tony yeah. Allen mentioned by Kobe yeah. Bryant said the guy who guarded me better than anybody was Tony Allen. So you had your defensive players, Eddie Howe shooting from long yeah. distance, Sam Purcell, PJ Brown. It was yeah, it was just yeah. it was just a combination of a bunch of great guys. And then you have your guy Perk, who yeah. was uh, who was locked Rondo. in Rondo. And it's just uh, a real like, Rondo. It's like a cast of characters though. Yeah. And KG, yeah. I remember in training camp, Rondo like, people forget this. Rondo was a huge question mark. 
Like, can they start this young point guard who was like third string the previous season on this team? And Garnett said, Hey, we have faith in this kid. He's going to be a star. Wow. And that like, I could see Rondo's like confidence, like change after that. Um, Garnett really took him under his wing, but you know, I covered that team for two years and it was, it was amazing. I covered a championship. If you remember the video when Garnett goes, anything is possible. If you look behind, I'm standing right there. And I always like, I always will have that in NBA history. I'm standing behind <laughs> Garnett when he says that. And, um, well, you know, he wasn't supposed to say that, though, right? No, he's supposed to say impossible is nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the Adidas, that's the Adidas tagline. Yeah. But, he, but now it's like a popular say. I think he still got his money to bonus, even though he messed it up. <laughs> say impossible is nothing. I, like I, that, that, yeah. that covering that team, man, put me on the map, and ultimately, I ended up getting a job at Yahoo Sports. Uh, Max, you'll you'll find this interesting. I've never said this to anybody publicly about it. So and Globe might be pissed, but I'm going to say it now. In 2009, I was getting interest from Yahoo to come. Right? Mm-hmm. Hadn't quite got an offer yet. And Adrian Wojnarowski was there. I was getting interest from him. So I got a tip that NBC Sports, which might have been called something else at the time, was going to hire a Celtics reporter. And the Globe had just had a, uh, they cut our pay by 5% and they're having some financial issues. And so I was open-minded to leaving. And so I went in, in to Kevin Miller's office and said, Hey, I hear you guys are going to, cause I was doing some TV stuff. I hear you guys are going to be hiring somebody to be a reporter to cover the Celtics. I would love to have that job if you're interested in me. Kevin's like, uh, well, we're not quite there yet, but I'll let you know if it happens. I was like, well, if you got it, I'll take it. I'll, I'll leave the globe to come take this job. And so nothing happened. July of that year, 2009, I get the offer from Yahoo, sign a contract. I move to the Bay Area. I'm in San Francisco. I mean, in the Bay, in Oakland. He calls me and says, hey, remember we talked about that job? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's open now. I want to hire you. Uh, uh-oh. And I'm like, man, I'm in Oakland. I already moved across the country. <laughs> and he says, oh, man, we, we'll we pay for you to come back. I'll move you back. I'll, like, match your salary. I'll give you more. I'm like, I signed a contract. I tried to tell you in the spring yeah, that I was interested in COVID and I would have taken a job and, and none of this might have happened, right? So I said, look, there's a guy you should look at. His name's Sherrod Blake. If I ain't going to be there, remember Sherrod, when you, the Celtics played the Pistons in the playoffs, he, he did really good on TV. You should check him out. And Sherrod ended up getting a job. Wow. And then I told the sports editor at the Globe, along with Gregory Lee, who worked there at the time, I'm like, hey, there's this reporter in Boston. He used to cover the Sonics until they moved to um, 
uh, Oklahoma okay. City and he lost his job yeah. and his paper closed down. And he's selling insurance right now. But I'm telling you, he'd be great covering the NBA and the Celtics. His name's Gary Washburn. Wow. Man. So they gave that job to since. Gary. So Gary wow. replaced me and then Sherrod came to NBC. And then when Sherrod left, he got replaced by Vincent Goodwill in Detroit. Wow. Who's, so who's guy, Sherrod's mentor? Went to a guy who sports is an NBA guy. Like, think about right. all that. Like, <laughs> like how those, I mean, this is like inside baseball reporter stuff. I don't know if people in Boston care, but no, I leave, awesome, Sherrod comes, Gary comes, and then Vincent gets the opportunity to cover the NBA. Wow. And if, and if I never, like, if I went to NBC, maybe it'd be different. Like, who knows, like, how it right. all worked out. But, yeah, man, we, we laugh about that all the time, about how, like, it had a trickle down on four of us. But, but, but. You never know in this business. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. You talk about that effect and how you, your decision opened up opportunities for other people. You just never know yeah. how things are going to run down for you, do you? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, if yeah, you try to get uh, me to come back, right? Now, and then I got offered a job covering the Warriors for the NBC station here. This lady tried to get me to leave. And I remember, uh, she wrote me a note. Yeah. I'm going to give you a lot more money than you get now. And she, I said, well, based on what you just gave me, I just took a pay cut. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? i like, yeah, I don't know who your source is. That's a bad number you just gave me. I just took a $25,000 pay cut. And she passed me that note proud. And like, in fact, the dude that just left the job makes $25,000 more than that. So don't, don't, don't worry about me for this job. Like, it was really offensive. Wow. It's crazy. crazy. See, Mark? Anything is, everything is, you can't call it. You can't predict this stuff. Like you think yeah. seven months ago, Joe Mazzula thought to himself, well, maybe I'll yeah. be a head coach one day. You never know in this business. Like things change, right? Yeah, I mean, what was yeah. your, what was your initial reaction to that quick start though? Were you, were you taken aback? I mean, obviously the Celtics team had, they were on course to sort of respond in a big way from the NBA finals appearance. But uh, how, like, well, how do you, how do you make of this past couple of months and just that transition that they had to make with Joe Mazzula um, in the team? You know, at first, cool, and, and I told Joe this, like, I was like, why didn't Damon Stoudemire get the job? Mm. You know, I was, like, really curious about that. And I've known Damon for a while. He's uh, coached at the University of Pacific with not a ton of resources and did well there in a really tough conference and had head coaching experience on, you know, on the Division One level. Played in the NBA, I thought he would be perfect, but um, Brad saw something in Joe, and I met with Joe in New Orleans a month ago, and then I, when I talked to him, I got it. I understood it. Mm. What, I what, just, did, what did you understand when you yeah, what happened? I uh, sat with him in his hotel room for a half an hour, did a story that's on Anscape right now, and I, I was extremely impressed by his poise, his his maturity, his humility, um, his ability to lead humbly. Um, he was basically like, look, I know you guys are certainly everybody has some emotions about what happened, and I'm not trying to change that. You know, I'm not trying to tell you how you could fe- how you should feel. 
you feel how you want to feel. I want to help us win games and do what I need to do to help us win games. Mm. And he's also collaborative. He wants to know what the players are thinking. Like, what do you think we could do to improve? What do you think, um, Jason, what do you think we should do? Jalen, what do you think we should do? Marcus, you know, there's a lot of veteran guys on this team who've been in the NBA for a while and have great basketball IQs, and he picks their brain. He doesn't act like a sergeant. You know, he, he he's a, a collaborative leader, which I think is extremely important and smart for him. And he's with that, I think, with his assistant coaches as well. He doesn't act like he knows everything. And so I think what's incredible to me, and I asked Tatum about him, I'm like, what sold you? He said, you know, he felt like when he got to be around him and the coach that left to the Jazz, that those two guys were different. He kind of felt like they were, there was something special about both of them. Oh. And, um, obviously the coach, uh, Will left. Um, but he said from that first meeting that he had with Joe, he said there was just the right tone, the right energy, uh, the, the right mentality, the collaboration stuff, like all that hit well with him and the team. So it kind of made everything seamless. And so to think that Joe has been able to like keep this team afloat like this without like if you didn't know they lost their coach, you would have known that they lost their coach. You had right. no idea. Like this this had every potential to go south, to sink. Like it was think about how nightmarish it was in training yeah. camp. Like yeah. how, all that all the, for all that stuff to happen right when training camp was starting. It's not even really even talked about anymore. Yeah. Like, I want to ask you. In, in droves, it'd be, it would have been talked about, but basketball-wise, they have not a skip to beat. Well, and I, this I is without ask, Robert Williams. I want to ask you this this word, you know, how it felt in the world that I was in, everybody was in, when you heard the Ime explosion. How, how, did, how did it affect you or your colleagues? Because yeah. everybody just called me out the blue. Ime's going to be... You mean he's going to be fired? He's going to be spinning yeah. for what? And it was just... Yeah. Um, I think what probably hit me the most is how it was handled. Did it have to be public? And and I think the thing about it is, and I have strong respect for the Celtics organization, um, ownership. A lot of the owners I know well. Um, I, I just wondered if it had to be public like it was um, because I think it hurt so many people. Mm-hmm. Not, not just the, you know, I mean, what happened happened, but for the women to get dragged into it, you know, like I, I, I just, I I, you know, I, I don't know. I believe they just had to come clean. And yeah. the only thing you had to, you had to put it out there and let everything be heard and seen the way yeah. it happened because if yeah. they had, I remember talking to Well, him. but, but what I mean is like, just more clear in terms of who it involved. Because when it, if it, if it's not clear, then it leads to speculation. Mm-hmm. And that speculation led to a lot of women in the company being accused of doing something they had nothing to do with. But, but they couldn't, they couldn't put that out there legally, yeah. you know, and start talking about these women. I think they've yeah. tried to be as quiet and I'm, I, yeah. and I, 
And I'm no, trying, no, it is tough to do, but Stan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It's tough to it, do. It was, it was, you know, just like any scandal out there that we see now, you know, it's like, okay, how do you handle that? You know, you had a contract with E-May. I just think there were so many things that they had to just put out and let it. I was a former player, just like, you know, I talked to him. Then he told me, he said, Max, I wish they had just told him just he's going on uh, uh, leave for a while. And, and, and then leave it like that. I said, when it finally got out, when, the, when, when, oh, uh, when it got out too. And everybody, yeah, it was yeah. out. Within you know, they yeah. get out. And once it got out, the Celtics were going to be the ones looking like they had egg on their face and stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is what happened. This is where we're going to go. And yeah. right now, dumb luck or whatever it is, it seems like it has worked for the organization. I do yeah. feel Epania, because I heard her say some things like nobody in the organization, you know, really reached out towards her. And I'm like, yeah. really, are they able really to say? Yeah, yeah I think the last part of what you said is very sensitive. Like, one thing I did ask Joe, like, how much have you spoken to Ime? And he, I think he, they touched base until like the legal issue really hit. And I think and said, you would know this better than both of us. I don't think they, the people working for the team could talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know what? I don't yeah. know that per se, but I think that they're just trying to eliminate the possibility because of legal ramifications, which yeah. were around him taking, you know, his suspension or whatever it might have been. But it would have been just as interesting if he had ended up, if uh, Kyrie hadn't said anything, if he'd end up in Brooklyn. In yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. I was just about to say when, when Kyrie exploded, yeah. it was just like, uh, no, we're not yeah. taking on any additional right. backs. Yeah. And then, that and then to my next question, Mark, what, what do you, mm-hmm. what do you make of that? Was that something that surprised you that they sort of balked on that decision and that, uh, they, they, they took a step uh, back after the backlash? They already had an explosion that they were trying to douse out. They didn't need to add any more fuel to the fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, <laughs> and then I, I'm not sure if this is true, but. I heard there were people within their organization and within the NBA that really had a problem with it happening, and that had an impact on the owner as well. And, and coming to New York, New York City, on top of that, that was just, you got enough. You got enough going on as it is, man. <laughs> like, how can we make this inferno even bigger? Like, this forest fire has already like burned like a hundred miles of. Trees, what could we do more? You know what I mean? If you you say let's them? add some lava to it. Yeah. If you you save that team, yeah. He made the one guy that could save them, though. Basketball could save them. Playing basketball and being healthy. I mean, as you see now. And then I think Jock Vaughn is doing a great job, and I thought he should have got the job anyway. Guy who coached in Orlando, he paid his dues, he – was up for the job with the Pelicans before Willie Green got it. I, I didn't understand yeah. why he wasn't deserving of the opportunity. And I, I kind of like it when teams go in-house to give somebody deserving an opportunity. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. 
We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. In your, in your biggest, you said, you said you left here, what has been your biggest surprises and, your, and some of your biggest disappointments with this league or, or whatever way you might see it? In terms of? Anything. Whatever you think when you're going, you you know how we sit around sometimes going, damn, man, I didn't see that. Or, or wow, yeah. I'm disappointed about whatever, you know. It yeah, is I, you know what, I, um, I mean, I don't know that any of us could have saw how big this league could get on social media. Like, mm. I, I, mm. no one could have guessed that coming. Um, it, it, the the boon of Twitter, the boon of Instagram, like social media impact uh, it has had and will have and will continue to grow. And now also like uh, the video impact on, on TV, like ESPN, Turner, and I believe that when this next deal is up, there's going to be another component. Whether wow. it's a, a, a prime video or Apple TV, like, I, I, I think it's going to be even more houses, not only just nationally, but globally. And another thing that is kind of to my surprise is that I do believe that, you know, I, I, a lot of Americans are naive. We love, they love football so much that they don't understand how big soccer is globally. The real football, it's the number one sport globally. But I do believe that the NBA is second. And a big reason of that is because of its international stars. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the top five players in scoring, it's Tatum's like the only American, right? He's the only one, yeah. Like, like yeah. everybody, all the other guys are from somewhere else. And, and, all, and uh, all over the world. And so that just kind of tells you, like, I was in everywhere that I, I've, I've been blessed through this job to travel all over the world. And they all know the NBA, man. They all follow the NBA. They don't all know Major League Baseball. They right. all know the NFL. And they're not casual fans, right? They know no, their no. stuff. Like they somebody know. was um talking to Luau Dang, and he was saying, yeah, like kids in Sudan are watching Bo Bo. Wow. Because of Minute and because he's, you know, from Sudanese. And right. Like I, the NBA, I, I wonder how many different, countries are represented in the league it's a global league like i wouldn't be surprised and said this might surprise you people were talking so much about seattle and las vegas like i wouldn't be surprised if they put a team in mexico city whoa when the next expansion comes yeah that's been discussed yeah and i've been writing a lot about it like mexico city has 30 million people that's like five like four times bigger than new york city Mm-hmm. They they have the G League Capitanes playing there as an experiment right now because of the pandemic. They've been delayed two years. ESPN Mexico has like 30 million viewers. Whoa. There's even wow. more viewership for this team. So team on uh, a streaming service called Star Plus, which is shown throughout Latin America. So if you put uh, the, so the Capitanes are in more homes than any NBA team. Wow. It's a G League team. Yeah, it's incredible. So if you put a team in Mexico City, 
you're not only going to be the team of the country of 30 million people, you're also going to be seen all over Latin America. It's, it's, oh. it's going to make money on top of money on top of money. Well, yeah. let me here, here's and also thing. push the push the game even more in Latin America, which you put it in Vegas, like it sounds sexy to put a team in Vegas, but like said, you know this, man. Like you're on you're on in Boston, right? TV and radio make a lot of money in Boston. Uh, somebody was telling me that the Lakers make more in one week than the Grizzlies do all season on television. Wow. So being in a market where you have a lot of eyes is important. And Commissioner Adam Silver, who's in Mexico City right now for a game, like you could tell, like it's he's 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 putting the tea leaves real big. They they like <laughs> Tree leaves now. They're not tea leaves anymore. Wow. Like they're, they're getting bigger and bigger. And if you look at Vegas, while it sounds sexy, like who, what TV market? They're 52nd in TV market. Mm. You can't show any games in California because there's four NBA teams in California who own all the rights to California. Can't show games in Arizona and Mexico, New Mexico because of the Suns. Can't show games in Utah because of the Jazz. Mm. Show games in Colorado and Wyoming because of the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets. You can't show games in Oregon or Washington because of the Portland Trailblazers. So where are you going to show the games? I believe there's less people in Nevada than there are in the Bay Area. San Francisco Bay Area. So the TV aspect, I think, could be TV contract aspect. Like if they bought a team there, like, They'll be way behind from a TV standpoint. Well, that that's. Um, I want to ask you this other question, and and you know, to me, one of the biggest surprises since I've been around, and God bless him, I love him to death. But did you ever see Perk being Perk, Kendrick Perk being? <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't see this. My mama you know called what? me yesterday. Max, he keeps said, it on a hundred. That's what yeah, he does. You know, he, my, my mama called me the other day and said something about. Said I was watching this guy and he had a country accent and he said something about the Lakers and he said I ain't I ain't never want to pay a fish for swimming and my mom thought that was just the funniest thing but Perk is going into this whole nother realm that did yeah. you see this coming you know what I hell no. No, no 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 wait I didn't see that coming, but I will say this. When I covered the team, Not shocked. he had, he was one of the greatest quotes in the league at the time. And because he was honest and his basketball IQ was great, he was like the one guy on the team that wasn't going to give you a politically correct answer. If they stumped, um, you always got to go. And, and it was funny because when I covered the team, oftentimes I would go at home games. I'll go listen to KG and Paul because they used to, do their little stick together and then you go in and talk to Ray. So a guy like Perk, you might miss Perk. And I would also t- always tell whoever was helping me at the game, whether it was Monique Walker or Julian Bembo, or, uh, we had a guy who was a big time soccer writer used to help me out. Uh, Frank DeLapa. If one of them were helping me out, I'd be like, Hey man, make sure you go listen to Perk. Wow. <laughs> I will always say that. Make sure you, cause he always says something. He always had a great quote. And Perk, if you go read my stories, if you go back and read my old Globe stories, you probably see Perk's quotes throughout. Wow. Cause he, he just, I was like, he was good. 
He's mm-hmm. really, really good. And I'm so proud of this dude, man. Like, yes. I, Cause he, he, he couldn't have seen this. Right. Cause I right. remember being in Houston for a Warriors, like Rockets playoff game about five years ago. And he was just starting to get his opportunity. Right. And I think it was like, um, like just like an ESPN app online thing before the game that he was doing with like Cassidy Hubbard. And then he heard them quote, you heard those quotes like your mom, like, right. Just all the like uh, sayings and, and you think they're like stuff. He just makes that's him. Yeah. And I think people just fell in love with his personality, his honesty. Cause you know what it is. Like Alan Iverson told me this. And I asked Alan once, why didn't he want to do TV? And he said, cause I don't want to talk bad about people. Oh, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, and you don't necessarily have to talk bad about somebody, but you're going to have to give honest opinions. Right. And Perk isn't shy. <laughs> and so, and he's, and he's funny and he's got the country draw, the Southern accent, the Houston, you know, the Houston thing. And it just makes him unique. It makes him different. It makes him fun. Guy always got a lot of energy and, and, you you want to know how he, he feels, just ask him and look at his face. And he'll let you know. So he's uh he just he just grew into, and and it was funny, man. We're doing um NBA today on Monday and he had his um what's his catchphrase? He has some catchphrase. Yeah, one of them is carry on. I know that carry on. Carry on. Yeah. He yeah. has carry on clothing now. <laughs> so you see him, ask him about it. Yeah, people will buy that. I hey, can see that. Max, say Big Perk, where, 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 where's my carry-on swag? I heard you got carry-on swag now. Oh, I'm a devil. I'm a devil. <laughs> he, he had like he had got carry-on money on. Now. He had a sport coat on on the show on Monday, and he went to fix it, and it said carry-on on his hoodie. I like this dude here. Got it. I like Perk. Where my where my swag at, Perk? Oh, I got you, big fella. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As always, as we say yeah. on this show, we try to keep it on the hundred. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a funny perk story when I cover the Celtics. I, I'm gonna leave the reporter's name out because he, he probably wouldn't like me. You saying he caught the wrong side of this side. So perk got fined like ten thousand dollars or something. He said, and I asked a reporter to help me out and go ask perk about it. So they were like trying to really do a good job and ask. You know, Perk about him. First, Perk didn't really say nothing. And, uh, Perk, like, got irritated. And, and, uh, he said, man, you think I, and so he, when the dude was leaving, he called him. Can I curse on this? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, he said, as the guy was walking away, he called him. (laughs) The reporter, right? He said, man, that. He kept grilling him about this ten thousand dollars, and the dude's feelings was really hurt. Like, but you know, I I know there, what there was more said to quote, yeah. but I, that that Perk said that. Right. No, no, but see, I know why Perk finished that because Perk is he goes even further because it's always he goes then it goes. That's what he always does. I left that part out. That's what he said. That's what he said. This ain't that kind of family show. We we gonna. Well, I'll let you finish the sentence. 
Maybe that's, maybe that's what he said. I yeah, said confirm. Exactly what he talks about. Wait, but what the reporter, what the reporter said that about that part, or what was it in general? No, that's what he said to the, the reporter as he walked away. So the reporter's like crushed that he said that to him, right? And then I said, Perk, I want to talk. Like, I'm not a bitch ass N word. Don't call me that. Yeah, and, and I said, Perk, man, why, why you, why'd you call that man that man? You really hurt his feelings. He goes, Shit, Spears, you think I'll give an F about ten thousand dollars? <laughs> He's asking too many damn questions about that. <laughs> wow, yeah, I can see that. It sounds just like a bit. Well, well, that's not, one thing funny I'll say now. Max, you be having your lines, too. You have those other lines. Well, well not I, those I, kind of lines. I, I'll say this. You'll like this, Max. We were in Atlanta, and I'll just say I was at a, a late-night establishment in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Did they have chicken wings there? And, <laughs> they had chicken wings and dancing. Okay. Yeah, I said, you let me know where you're at. Okay. Yeah. So the next day, I'm at practice. And Kurt goes up to me, he goes, what was you doing last night, Spears? <laughs> and I said, apparently I was doing the same thing you was doing. He's like, yeah, yeah, I saw you in there. I saw you in there. <laughs> and I said, well, why didn't you say hi? Why didn't you talk? Man, I didn't want that in the paper. I said, Perk, you, I was there too. Like, why would I put that in the paper? Yeah, yeah. Eggs. And That's said, not how media works. He's like, yeah, that's that's a good point, Spears. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> Yo, speaking of, Mark, speaking of, I'm, well, glad you this speaking up. Up, I'm scared to hear what the speaking of is. The first round matchup against the Hawks. Is it true? The 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 the, the legend behind it is that that's the reason why that series went seven games, that the team wasn't all the way focused, if you will, when they uh, went to Atlanta for um, those games. Remember they lost no, every road no, game in no. that, I'm a, in that I'm series. I'm gonna give Atlanta credit, man. Said was there. Okay. They they played their tails off, and I do think, and Garnett will be mad at me for saying this, that the only time I saw a crowd rattle him. Wow. Like the only okay. time I saw a crowd make an impact on him. Okay. In mm. Atlanta, like that crowd. Remember they were like uh, chanting. Uh, Hawks in seven. Hawks is seven. and, and yeah, the Celtics yeah, yeah. beat them beat them down in game seven. Right. But but they, they lost every I, game. I, over I don't. There. I'm not. I'm, I mean, they they those guys have fun wherever they went. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Yeah, they. I'm that was the rumor was, that Doc there, Doc there had there to give them a little, little speech there than anywhere else. But yeah. not putting their business out on the street. But it, it wasn't like. They just sat in the hotel room all day. Like they got what? out. They had fun. I, I just, I just think that Atlanta was, uh, I mean, like think about it. They had Joe Johnson, right? They had yep. Al Horford. Yeah, young Al. That's right. Yeah, young Al Horford. And they had Josh Smith, who was athletic and tough to deal with. Like they were well coached. I think Woody was a coach, right? Mike Woodson. Yep, Mike Woodson. No, nah, yeah. I mean, they weren't better. And it shouldn't have went seven. But they weren't afraid. No, 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 no. They were not afraid. They were not afraid, and they were good. So I'm not, no, I'm I'm not going to put that on the element. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Last one. I think that would probably be the assumption, but I'm going to give that Hawks team respect. Like, they they were good. Okay. All right, last one for me, man. Seeing this whole, like, rift between 
Pierce Garnett and Ray and all that, and just to see the way it, it all came to an end at Kevin yeah. Garnett's uh, Jersey retirement ceremony, just take me through like that whole thing from from your perspective, right? You obviously yeah. you're very close to that uh, team. You saw the whole thing play out. What was that yeah. like? It, it, it was kind of sad to see. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Rondo's been able to clear things up with Ray yet. Oh, Rondo also, too, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which might be the, even a harder deal than all of it. Uh, I know there was a bunch of times where Doc would say, man, I need to fix that. I'm trying to fix it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Behind the scenes, I'm working on it. And so I actually was in Africa for the Basketball Africa League, at the, the and I came back, I think, the day before Garnett's game. So I was, like, coming back from Africa, man. I was worn out. Mm-hmm. But I felt, like, guilty about not being at his because I went to Pierce's, but I missed Garnett's, and I, I really wanted to be there. Um, but it was, like, good to see because I, I think, um, like, I – let me grab this up. You guys are, hold on real quick. All right, now you good. What you got? Man, you really getting ready to get serious about this thing, Joe Swear. <laughs> <laughs> this might be some serious ammo because, you yeah, know, because he's been, that's a favorite, I'm those are favorite years of his career, man. Oh, man. It just sounds no like, like things so, that made him. And I'm a wine guy and I didn't, hey, I never we got, we got. Can you see it? Oh, man. Okay. Is that yeah. from the right after 08? Wow. Oh, this was, um, it says new team, new passion, new network, oh, Comcast sure. Sportsnet. Wow. Nice, uh, bottle of, um, Giganti, dry, dry red wine. But it's like that, that image of those three guys is always going to be part of Celtics lore. So it was tough to see him separated. Yeah. And I actually talked to Ray. In 2000, and when he got in mm-hmm. to the Hall of Fame, right? 2019, I think it was. 20, I think. And it, but it was delayed. And I think it was Hall of Fame. And and I talked to him, and I, I could tell he was pained by it. Like the slide of not being invited to the sell the, you know, the uh, 10 year anniversary and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the pandemic, that team probably still hasn't been celebrated well in Boston yet and probably should be. But like whether it's on this bottle or whether it's that picture at the Coliseum or after their championship, like I always envision them three guys together. So um it was good to see them kind of getting let bygones be bygones and hopefully in the future, like, we'll see them together more talking about that experience again. Cause the one thing I've always been impressed about those three guys is they were in their prime said, like you remember, and they let, if, if you ever have a team, like I, I say this about teams all the time that have three stars in their prime, you want to learn how to put your egos aside for a championship. Go talk to them. Yeah. Bring one of them in and ask them how they did it. Because all of them sacrifice. But I think what they showed you is you could sacrifice and, and gain and build, you know, bear more fruit. Like, yeah, there's each of their scoring averages dropped and Garnett probably had the lowest scoring average of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Averaging like 16, but they won. They yeah. kicked everybody's tail in 
and they won a championship. And it's all three of their own alone championships, but they'll forever be NBA champions. Mm. So it's good to see them like figure that out. But yeah, I still, I know the wine tastes terrible now because (laughs) it's been sitting in the room. I, you know, but I I just always, I I have different little weird mementos, uh, but I still have this. Well, you know what? And and I'm going to hit you with the last one before you let you go. First, we really appreciate you. Uh, I did talk to Ray myself, uh, and we did a podcast and mm. Ray was hurt. He was very hurt by, you know, just all the things were said by him. And, and I remember asking, I had a podcast also with uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul and it was something podcast. And I asked, and I asked at that time, I said, KG, when are you going to bring Ray back in the fold? And KG kind of like, like Max, I don't want, I said, no, man, I said, you're the godfather of this thing. And if yeah. this thing is going to happen, I was, I couldn't have been more happy when he called Ray up and then they got the, the big hug in front of everybody. Yeah. Oh man. You're next. Yeah, and it, it just really showed me that, you know, they had kind of squashed that thing and it, and it went by its way. Lastly, what I want to ask you, Joe Sway knows I always do this because you are this. this oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're building a, um, we're building a Mount Rushmore in the back of your house. And uh, what would be the four people on your Mount Rushmore in the sports uh, pavilion that you'd have? Built so not Celtics, just sports. In, anybody. This, yeah. is your, this is yours. <laughs> this is your Mount Rushmore. Nobody else's. So it can't be wrong. So I just yeah. want to. It'd probably be more, uh, ears. Yeah. more unique than you would probably think. And it could be any sports or just basketball. Any sport. You can bring any sports. All, yeah, all you have is four people, though. That's all. Uh, first person I put is Earl Lloyd. Wow. Okay. You know who that is, Joe? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I'm going to do another show and tell. Uh, this is from Mr. Lloyd, who personally gave this to me. I actually he gave one wow. to Kevin Garnett and I gave it to him and it's signed by him. Wow. First, he's passed away, but he's the first black player in NBA history. Oh. And I got a chance to spend a lot of time with him. Went to Tennessee like in the early 2000s and, and did a story with him in this little small town that he lived in. So the history of the league, the pioneers in the league have always been important to me. Okay. And, and telling the history of black players has always been important to me. So I, I got to know the first black player ever drafted in NBA. I know they're ever playing a game. Halloween 1950. Wow. First black, it was Earl Lloyd. There was also Chuck Cooper. Um, first Celtic. Close, first close, Celtic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was actually the first player drafted. Whoa. It was Chuck Cooper. Oh, that's crazy. And then the first player to have an NBA, black player to have an NBA, not the first player drafted, first black player. First black player with an NBA contract was uh, Sweetwater Clifton, Whoa. who had his contract traded from the Globetrotters, Globetrotters. to the Knicks. Whoa. And so, but they were all 1950-51 season, but Earl Lloyd, because of the scheduling court, played first. Wow. But there was, but three guys deserve credit. Okay. So he'd be on there. So um, it was the same day though, huh? Wow. Well, he played and they played like a couple days later. Don't but he though. has a distinction. Like Chuck was drafted higher than him. Chuck was like third round, Earl was like seventh. But he played first. But they all three deserve credit. 
Number two, probably another obscure one, which would surprise you, is Ricky Berry. Not Rick Berry. Ricky Berry. Ricky Berry played in the NBA for a year. When I was growing up, he was a San Jose State superstar. Um, Played on the Pan Am Games, made the all-rookie team, and said he might have played against him. I I don't know if you remember him. Don't remember that. Kings, he played the 88-89 season. Were you still playing then? Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I had just, I had, just, that was my last year. I think I had finished it. Yeah, so he wore number thirty-four for San Jose State, and I used to go to their camps. Used to go to their game. He was a pro I could touch, wow. and I wore a thirty-four because of him. And he committed suicide after his rookie season when Dang. I was going to my senior wow. year in high school, and oh. it, it, it like had a, like a profound impact on me. Um, and, but I still wore 34, you know, and, uh, I remember my mom wanted me to change my number. I said, no, ma, I still love Ricky. I always will love Ricky. Um, but I love life. So well, that's I want to be here. <laughs> like you ain't got to worry about, I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about going, not, not mm-hmm. like, yeah. uh, doing I'm, something I'm to myself. Gonna, I'm not going to take my whole life. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Like, yeah, as best I can, like, right. And, um, so I guess the other two, um, probably for me as a kid, I love Ricky Henderson. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, he was like, you know, the, the, I used to go to Saturdays, Safeway Saturdays, where we used to pay $5 and you could get a ticket, a hot dog, chips, and sunflower seeds and a soda pop. Yeah. I used to take the Bart train out. Five dollars. Yeah. Five dollars you would get all that. So can't even get a soda now with that. Jeez. Has anybody ever had as much swagger as he has? Man. I mean, he knew he was good. He wanted you to know and he yeah. would tell anybody how good he was. Yeah, no, or I mean uh Ricky Anderson was a bad dude. I'm like reading his book now. And it's funny, I got to cover him. Uh, I covered baseball before I covered NBA for like two years. I covered Angels and the Dodgers. And I remember he gave me a quote. I said, he said, I asked him about being a great leadoff hitter. He said, I am the greatest leadoff hitter that ever be. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so I, you know, I always remember that. And then let me see number four. Looking in my room. Why you gotta look around your room? You should know. <laughs> it's gonna be reminded, um, man. Number four, uh, I love uh, it. I love this question. Oh, yeah, it's always, it's a, in the joke way, it's always number four, which always gets me. Yeah, yeah people always You know what? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Magic Johnson. Oh, okay. And because I, I've had now like, I'm gonna cut the interview off right now. That's why I'm <laughs> sorry. Hate that dude. You know, because I, I I'm probably in the minority, but I still feel like to this day, and and then you'll probably cut me off when I say this that Magic Johnson is the greatest player ever. Wow, man! And I just felt like that because he he changed the NBA. Like a lot of people are indebted to him, him and Bird for changing the NBA. But Magic not only like helped the NBA survive, but he brought flair to it. And he played five positions and made everybody better. Yeah. Yeah. So I just always had yeah. a big time respect for his game and what he did and um just 
how fun he was to watch. And he wasn't necessarily my favorite player, but I just thought he was just great. Um, so he's, he's number four. And I'll only say this to you and I'll only say, well, and to our listeners, part of that I do respect and I respect, and I've said this about him more as a basketball player. I absolutely hated him, but it was a hate respect thing that I love. Yeah. But I am, and I said this on his, his, uh, documentary that had me on. I said, I respect him more as a black man, as an entrepreneur, as what he did for AIDS, as what he's, he's done. He has been, he has been as big as anybody I know or an ambassador of the game, especially after the game. And he, and he, and he taught players how to make money off the court. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that to me is just yeah. so important when I think of him. I mean, he, he busted in the room. That it, lastly, it was myself, Kurt Rambis, uh, Michael Cooper, and Brian Scalabrini. We were doing something for a Lakers game. And we were we were all in there talking, and, and Jeannie Buss was in there, and Wick was in there, and a whole bunch of people. And then who walks in the door and says, oh, I'm sorry, Jeannie. I didn't know you guys were having a meeting. But by the way, let me go up on stage and take the microphone from these dudes because they don't know what they're talking about. And he goes to shake my hand, and I say, I ain't shaking your damn hand, man. Get the hell out of here. He said, no, man, show me love. But he is that kind of guy, and I I respect your opinion on that, but I just hate that it's magic at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I saved that one for you. Yeah, yeah, you did. You you did it. It hurt. It's gonna leave a mark, but don't. Yeah, but I'm. But I'm. <laughs> but I'm gonna say. I'm gonna you know, say this. Right, I'm gonna cool. say this. The most disrespected NBA superstar ever is Larry Bird. Wow. A fact like that, he isn't mentioned when we talk about the greats. Really, is incredible to me. I never seen he he busts so many dudes, man. And I remember just watching him as a kid. I'm like, dang, he be making these brothers look terrible, man. Like the way he be killing them. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> man. You know what? And letting them know about it. You know what? You, you stepping on my toes again because the first NBA player he made look bad was yeah. me. Cause I was, yeah, the that first was a practice. That wasn't in public. I went, I was like, this fucking white guy can't play. This is some bullshit they bringing in. And that was at the end, I got through playing. I remember the first time I got to the first black person I saw that day. I said, you know what? A fucking white guy can play right there. Yeah. So I, I do understand really. Oh, and then I always tell people this. I said, I knew Larry Bird was going to be great because I started seeing Larry Bird in the black barbershop. There was Jesus, the <laughs> presenter, Malcolm X, and then. There was a picture of Larry Bird in the <laughs> barbershop. A black barbershop. I was like, man, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So that's when I knew he had really made it. Along yeah. with Spike Lee's movie, though. That was just as good. Oh, man. Senior yeah, NBA man. writer for ESPN and Skate, Mark Spears. Appreciate you, man. We can't say that enough. Also, the author, alongside Gary Washburn, of the Spencer Haywood Rule. Which What, what is that? What does that mean exactly? Why don't you let people know real quick? About this yeah, book no, we did a, I, I love we did it, a man. biography it a years ago and it's, it's incredible. Terrible yeah, story. did a biography on Spencer Haywood. Great, great man. Somebody said certainly knows. Very yeah. complicated story, but an amazing read. Like, please get the book, read the book. You'll fly through it. His story is like, I call him the Black Forest Gump. 
Wow. So many fascinating things that happened mm-hmm. in his life. You know what? But before that, tell me this story. But, but I got to hear this. You got to tell people this about the thing with Nike that I keep hearing about. That's not a rumor. Oh, yeah. No, that was offered like a deal with Nike where they offered him cash or stock. <laughs> and he took the cash. You know, because he didn't think it was going to, he's like, man, that stock wasn't going to be worth nothing. I mean, you kind of get it now, right? Like it makes, I mean, if you really think about it, I'm sorry, at that time, you could understand why he's like, this Nike thing. He certainly wouldn't have to uh, do any more NBA appearances if he did that. Uh, (laughs) I I heard the deal would have been about $6 billion or something right now. He'd be on today. Some place in that area. Hey, but said, how many people have tried to offer you stock that would end up being? No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I got about five of those. I was going to say, we, that happened to you too, Max. Isn't like, that? Should we then? talk about Bitcoin right now or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> man, thanks again, man, for it's coming on the show. Hey, we man, appreciate if y'all don't it, have man. me on at least once a year, I'm gonna have a problem, man. I love well, we will, on. brother. We Thank you happen. very much for coming on with us. All right, we'll make man. that happen for sure. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace. Peace.